Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers will grab one for you. Uh, We've been working through this last week just real quickly. We had talked about how this section of Scripture, really the chapters 12 through 14, are talking about order with inside the community of God. And we talked about how really if we study this well, we're hoping that boundaries will be set up that where we could thrive as a church around the idea of what gifts is. Now, the title of this section says spiritual gifts, but we had established last week that that word gifts was added later on. It's one Greek word that just says spiritual things, not spiritual gifts. And that's important for where we're going today. But again, this would be a, the hope would be that those that have maybe struggled with the idea of gifting of the Spirit or, or the manifestations of the Spirit, that they would be emboldened by this study. And that those who have maybe gone a little bit crazy for them or chased the miraculous or chased the things of God would maybe recognize that there are some healthy boundaries that the Scriptures put in place for us in the manifestations of the Spirit of God. And so that's where we are today. And again, all of the work of the Spirit of God is for the common good. We're in verse 8 of chapter 12. You can read with me there. I'm also going to go back to chapter, verse 7 because it kind of bookends today's text. Verse 7 says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. When we look at a text like this and we look at a section like this, many people treat this a lot like what my family does around the dinner table. I, I will admit I was not a comic book person reading up, but I really love the Marvel movies and the superhero stuff. Like I just, it's just great entertainment for me. I enjoy it. And we were talking about it at my family, as, as a family, we were talking about like, well, if you could have one power, which one would it be? Would it be Captain America or which, you know? And so we have this kind of this discussion as a family. And I think in a lot of ways, when we see anywhere in the scriptures in the New Testament here or in Romans 12 or in Ephesians 4, when there's a seeming list of gifts or manifestations of the Spirit, many of us start asking the question, well, which one do I have? And, and how, do I, how do I have that one? And, and maybe you, you could potentially set yourself up. You're like, well, I really want this one. And this is the one I see that's really valuable. And I want that one. But but I feel like I kind of have this one, and it's not as much fun, and that's not as cool as, like, Spider-Man. I mean, you know, whatever. Like, like we, we tend to treat the gifts like this. And the emphasis of all of chapters 12 through 14 is really not on the gifts, but on the Spirit of God. And I hope that today we'll see that, and we'll see how this plays out as a whole in a body and moving forward. The list of nine manifestations, uh, last week we talked about how he said the gifts are in there's gifts, there's services or ministries, and then there's just works. And this word manifestation is works. It's things the Spirit does. And so he comes out of the variety of, of manifestations into these nine, this nine list. Most scholars, almost all scholars agree this is not an exhaustive list. In fact, every time they're listed, they're in different order in the New Testament alone. So this is just different manifestations of the Spirit of God. And I think it really benefits us to do a kind of a really, really 
short brush over defining each one of these things, but defining them in a way where we're going to look at how each of these manifestations of the Spirit of God play out in the life of Jesus. Because what we see in the Gospels, in all four Gospels, we see that, that when the Spirit does something, we see ultimately that it's the Spirit of God doing it in Jesus. And that we know ultimately he's the one that embodies it. He's the one that shows us. He's the one that models it. And as little Christ, as followers of Jesus, the ones that have submitted to his lordship, we are to give ourselves to the continuation of the ministry that Jesus began. Let me show you this biblically. Acts 1 verses 1 through 5. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus. Okay, so this is, the author is Luke. He's talking about the gospel of Luke. She says, in the first book, so in, in the gospel book, I have dealt with all that Jesus, what, began to do. Jesus began to do. It wasn't that he finished. It was what he began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Log that promise right there. We're going to come back to this verse in a little bit which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The scriptures teach, if you look back all the way back to Luke chapter three, when Jesus gets tempted by the, when he, when he, well, he gets baptized by John the Baptist, we, this Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. Everyone kind of experienced this amazing thing and the heavens open up, this is my son, right? Like it's this really powerful moment. Then it says that the Spirit of God led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. And in his time of being tempted, everything that he's being tempted in is actually not really sinful things. Like it's not wrong for him to turn a rock into a loaf after not eating for 40 days. Some would say that that's actually probably a really good thing to do. But in all of those things, what he's displaying and showing and modeling for us is what does it mean? Because Jesus, who is God, incarnated, we're going to celebrate this on Christmas, right? The idea that, that Jesus came down and took on flesh. He left, he, he left his power of God in the throne room of God. But now he experiences and has the power of God through the Holy Spirit on him. So it says in Luke 3, and then beginning Jesus' ministry, the time that we all get to read about in the Gospels, he did all these. He's taught and healed, being led and, and done through the power of the Spirit of God. So Jesus is the beginning of what it means for us to live by the Spirit of God. And then we, coming into Acts, after Acts, and from Jesus ascending into heaven, we now get to operate as his church. The, teach, the scriptures teach that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that he lives in us, and now he manifests himself in many ways. This list here in 1 Corinthians is, is, a, is a group of nine little manifestations that will happen by the Spirit of God. Okay, and that's what we're going to work through. It would help us again. Uh, sorry, it's going to kind of feel a little quick through this, but we're not necessarily trying to really fully understand each of these gifts because I don't think that's really where this text is, is going, but it's, it's beneficial for us to understand it. The first one is a message of wisdom. That word is in Greek, it's logos. It's a, it's a one-time manifestation where God speaks to you or through you to another person. So the best way to think about this is where are the scriptures ambiguous or silent? The scriptures are very clear about a lot of things. The scriptures say, hey, you should not steal. You don't need to pray for the Spirit to help you discern whether or not you should steal or not. 
says don't steal. You can just, it's very clear. Just submit yourself to scriptures. Lots of stuff in the scriptures that tell us that on what we are or aren't to do. But what do we do when we come to something that isn't written out exactly in the scripture? Should we move to this spot? Should I have this child? Should I marry this person? We have scriptures talking about marriage, but like, what about this individual? How do we get there? Uh, there's a very, very specific example of this in Mark chapter 12. I'm only going to kind of highlight it. I would encourage you to go back and read it, but these Pharisees come up to try and test Jesus, and they're trying to test him in what they're to do with paying taxes. They come up and say, hey, well, should we pay taxes? Because if we're not of this world anymore, and we're of God's kingdom, do we, have to, do we have to pay taxes? And so Jesus, being filled with the Spirit of God, he answers in, in, a, in a way that would be a, a manifestation of the wisdom of the Spirit of God. He says, look, he says, well, okay, knowing that they were trying to test him, he said, well, show me a denarius. Who's, whose image is on us? Now, the image, again, is the same word that we are made in the image of God, same word that's being used there. It says, whose image is this? And they're like, well, it's, it's Caesar's image. Okay, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. Now, remember, we were made in his image. So he's saying, look, give to Caesar what's Caesar. Give him his money, but you, yourself, give yourself to God. And they were like, mind blown. Like, wow, they marveled at his wisdom. Like he, there was no writings in the Torah that talked about what to do with taxes and how to play this out this way. And so he uttered wisdom from the spirit of God and just baffled them. And they're like, we can't trap him. It's amazing. That's what wisdom is. It's when God speaks to you through someone that just like you hear it and it just, I mean, like your, your face is melted off, right? You're like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do and there's no reason to argue it anymore. It's just, it brings peace and, and you, just, you just see it there. That's the message of wisdom. That's the spirit of God manifesting himself through you or through individuals bringing wisdom to us in this way. Next one is knowledge. Uh, knowledge, again, it, it uses the same word, a logos of knowledge, a, a message of knowledge. This would be kind of a miraculous endowment of knowledge or um, factual information that could not otherwise have been known other than the Spirit's aid of doing so. Have you ever experienced that where someone says, like you're reading in Scripture, you're, you're praying about something, you're asking for God for direction, and you're reading, and someone says to you later that day the exact thing that you were reading? Like, you're like, whoa, how did you know that? You don't know where my life is. I... I literally, I don't, I don't have time to share this, but a course correction in my life came from a random stranger in my microeconomics class in college one time. This woman just spoke life into me, and she had no idea why. She didn't know what she was doing, but the Spirit of God just used this in my life to change a course in a very beautiful, beautiful way. This is knowledge. This is like, there's no way you could have known that. How in the world would you know that? We see this in John 4 uh, when Jesus is talking with the woman at the well. He talks to her, becomes up this woman at the well, Samaritan at the well, and he's like, hey, can I have some water? And she's like, how are you, a Jew, asking me for water? That's crazy. She's like, you shouldn't be doing this. And he said, well, if you knew the gift of God, the gift of God, log that away, we'll come back to it, and who it is that is saying this to you, who's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, all of the gospel John teaches living water is Holy Spirit. It's a language for Holy Spirit. So she's like, well, and you will never thirst again. She's like, well, give me this so I don't have to keep coming back out here. And he's like, okay, great, I'll give this to you. First, go and, go and get your husband. She's like, oh, well, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God, you're right, you have had five husbands, and the man you are with right now is not your husband. 
And she's like, well, I see that you're a prophet. This is crazy, right? Like, this is amazing, right? What's going on? He has knowledge that, that he has no business having, but the Spirit of God has given it to him in this moment to speak something that only God could do. It's not like he had done this. Now, it's funny, the woman runs back to the city and many people come out to hear about Jesus and, and give their life to Jesus. But she runs back and she's like, this man out there told me everything about my life. Well, in their city, they're like, we all know that about your life. Like, this is obvious, right? But to, to her, she's like, he didn't know me. This is, this is amazing. The, the, the message of knowledge, the Spirit's manifestation of knowledge is, is that outpouring where it's like, man, I couldn't, you couldn't explain it. How do they know? How do they know to say it this way? How do they know when someone texts you, I'm praying for you, and for some reason I'm praying Philippians 2 over you, and you're like, I was just reading Philippians 2 this morning. Spirit manifests himself of knowledge, giving you information that you don't have any way to conjure up or make for yourself. That's what that is. Again, we're just brushing over these quickly. The next one is faith. Now, this one's, this one's a little bit harder because in faith, this isn't talking about the faith that justifies us before God or the faith that pleases God, the salvation that we have. It's by faith you are justified before God, right? Not a work of any man. This is not talking about this. This is talking about an extra dose of trust. This is not the faith that's granted to all Christians, but a kind of faith in an almighty and sovereign God that specifically believes he is capable of intervening in the most dramatic or miraculous ways, or even in the most mundane ways. You, you've probably all experienced someone that has manifested the gift of faith at some point. They're kind of annoying optimists. Have you ever noticed that? Those people that are like, just always like, man, like, and not just like, like because they're, they're ignoring the ish situation, but they just really have this belief and this trust, like this is going to happen. Like I am, I am confident that this is going to happen because it's not based on my merit or my doing, it's based on the sovereign God. Faith is, is, is it's this extra dose of, like, I believe that this can happen, not because I've experienced it, not because I can deduce a reason why this should happen, but because the Spirit of God is manifesting himself through me to show me that this faith is possible. And that's what this faith is. We see a, a story in Jesus, the, 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 the father that brings his son before Jesus and says, hey, he's, he's like foaming at the mouth, he's, he's, he's totally taken by demons, and he falls in fires, and he falls in water, and it's like, it's hard to keep him alive. And I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cast him out. And Jesus is like, oh, you faithless little people, right? And he goes on, he goes, how long am I going to be with you? And then he says, and then he says, get out. He rebukes the demon, and it came out of immediately, and the boy was healed instantly. And then I love the disciples, they come to him privately. I feel like this is what you and I do in our prayer time with the Lord, kind of individually, because we're afraid to do this in front of our gospel communities, or afraid, it's like, all right, Jesus, like, come on now. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how, how come we couldn't do that? How come we couldn't get this demon out? I've been able to see, they'd been able to get all sorts of demons out. Why couldn't they get this one out? And he says, he says, he said to them, because of your little faith. Because of your little faith. He says, I tell you, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. He goes to the mountain. We're going to talk about the mountain in just in, in chapter 13, the same idea, but he's basically saying, look, you don't need much faith to do and accomplish what needed to be done here. But really, this one only comes out through prayer. It comes out through a dependence on God, not in your own merit, your own strength, your own doing. This one happens by you being fully dependent on God. Faith. Having faith, and now it's not a percentage thing. Like, okay, well, I have 70% faith. If I can just get to the B in faith, it'll happen. That's not what he's talking about here. It's a, it's a resting on, no matter how little or large your faith may seem to you or anyone else, 
It's a resting on God is going to do what he's going to do because the spirit of God is the one that manifests these things. You've seen this in people that have illness. Like I've, I've walked with, I mean, it, both the blessing and the difficulty of walking with many people with life-threatening illnesses. And I had this faith that like, that they, they just have this peace in the moment where like, man, they, they, you, you know your life could end and what you're leaving, but they just seem to have this peace. I, I felt this last year when I was trying to die. Um, I didn't feel it at first. If you don't know, I was really sick last year. At one point, I was in the hospital. The doctor's like, I hope your affairs in order. We have no idea what's going on with you. And, and my wife and I were really struggling. And one of the things that really bothered us through this process, or me, I won't lump her into it. She's more faithful than I am, was, was like they were testing to try and figure this out. It was like 133 vials of blood taken from me to try and figure out what's wrong with me. And no one can find. I mean, these all sorts of specialists trying to do it, and no one could figure out what's wrong with me. And then one day, Debbie, if you know her here, she, she tells Jen, who then says it to me, which I just thought was, honestly, Debbie shared with Jen a message of wisdom. And then Jen shared this with me, and it brought this, it instilled in me this faith that was amazing. She said, hey, if God really wanted you to know, God's not a God of confusion. If God wanted you to know what was causing this, he would tell you in one way or another. So maybe we should stop worrying about what it is and just ask him to heal you. And I tell you, from that moment on, it was like hearing that wisdom was like peace set in. It's like, okay, this is it. He's going to heal me. I believe he's not done with me. I believe God has more to do. And like, and praise God, he healed me. They still, to this day, have no idea what happened. It drives the doctors nuts, which is really funny. And a lot of my friends and family are like, this is crazy. But to me, it's like, man, peace, faith. In that moment, the, the spirit manifested faith that I don't normally have. He brought, he brought out a faith that brought an uncommon reaction, uncommon experience for me in that time. The next one is, is gifts of healing. It's, it's interesting because he says the plural, gifts of healing. Now, healing is one of those ones that uh, I think that the church today has done really poorly and, and, and done really well, just depending upon which and what part of church you're a part of. Um, but the plural suggests that this is not a permanent gift. Now, let me, let me say this really clearly. All of these gifts here, okay, all of these gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit, may or may not be a lifelong gift. That's okay. It's, it's some of them you might have for a moment. The plural here tells us like, that most likely you're not this person that has the gift of healing, but that God would manifest himself, the Spirit of God, in different ways and give you the opportunity to pray and the Spirit to then heal in different varieties of ways. So it's not like you're like, oh man, I, I only have the gift of healing for flu. Sorry, if your back's hurting, you gotta go find the one that has the gift of healing for back. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, no, the, the spirit will manifest himself in a variety of ways. And he will bring about healing. And he still to this day heals. We need to ask boldly for God to heal because he does. And he does this. And, and so the, the manifestation, this is a um, couple of the things that need to be said about healing that it's important. First is, this isn't a, like you need to have faith, like a name it and claim it kind of garbage. That's, that's, that's not what this is talking about. Like, people, I, like when people are like, oh, you know, you won't be sick if you just had more faith. Like that's not a healthy way to speak to someone. Right? It's not that. And this isn't a, okay, I don't need to ask for God to heal because just whatever you will, God will, look, he's going to do whatever he wills anyways. We're going to get to that. This is a, an invitation for his children to boldly ask him to manifest himself by healing cancer, by, by taking life-threatening things and baffling doctors, or by taking a, a simple cold away and giving him the credit for it. Not me, not you, not anyone. We, I was going to pull up a story, but I don't know if you've read any of the Gospels. Jesus healed a lot of people. So I'll just let you guys go read the Gospels and look at all the ways he healed. I mean, 
Every kind of illness was happening, healings all over. It was crazy, awesome. And he did them all in a variety of ways too. Sometimes he just spoke it, sometimes he laid on it, sometimes he got the crowd away, sometimes he did it in front of the crowd, just beautiful. Read the Gospels, you'll have fun. All four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the other questions that many people have today is like, does healing still happen today? I wanted, I wanted to share a story with one woman that, that goes to Rev here two years ago. Uh, she unexplainedly started losing her vision, like where she couldn't see, like it was getting, getting worse and worse and worse, got blurrier and blurrier and blurrier to really at a point where she couldn't drive she had kids to take care of. She couldn't see. The doctors are like, we have no idea what's going on. Like, we're not sure how this is going to work. And so at one point, it's like, hey, I was hanging out with, uh, I was actually at another gospel community. And I was hanging out with them and got the call like, hey, let's just go pray for them. I was like, hey, do you want to go pray for this person? And some people got up like, yeah, let's go. We don't know them. And so then I started texting a few other people. Hey, we're going to go pray at this house. We're going to pray for healing for her to see again because the doctors are completely lost. At this point, they're talking about cornea transplant because they can't figure out what's going on. They're, they're like, this is, there's no, like, no, no understanding. And so let's just go pray for healing. Well, about a dozen people show up to her house. And what I love about this is the dozen people, a bunch of them didn't know each other. Okay, like a bunch of them like had just met, or some of them didn't even know the woman we were praying for. And I was like, hey, I just, just texted people and whoever like, came to my mind just threw it and they all just kind of showed up. And as I was driving up there, I was riding with someone from the gospel that I was at, and I was like, man, one of the things that I feel like is always done poorly by me whenever going to pray for healing with someone is there's, you see in James, he says, confess your sins and then be prayed for. And, and so often we come to a person and say, okay, well, you're wanting to be healed. Okay, confess your sins. And I was like, I feel like the Lord is telling me, like, maybe we should all confess. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, does that kind of make sense? He's like, yeah, I think that, that's exactly like what I'm feeling too. Let's do that together. And so him and I show up to this room and there's 12 strangers together, right? And we're all just like, okay, we're gonna pray for healing. We're gonna see God do a miracle and we're, we're excited about it. But before we do that, I feel like, and I went to James and I read James, before we do that, I feel like we need to spend a time of confession. And guys, I, I will tell you that was the most beautiful time of prayer I have ever experienced. 12 people that were all submitted to Jesus Christ, some strangers confessing hard things. Not like my grandma's dog's cousin's twice removed kitty had a toenail issue, but like their own heart stuff, like really wanting to confess because we believe that if we can confess this and get this out, then we could as in, in right standing with the Lord pray and God would work. And we prayed, we spent some time praying. It was such a beautiful time, wonderful. Like I said, really hard stuff that was shared, really hard confessions and like tears and snot. And then it's like, okay, now we need to get to praying. And so then we, we prayed together and then we, we just worshiped. We just sang some music together, worshiped together. And it was really, really great. And everyone kind of leaving. And at that point she hadn't, she, did, she didn't have any eyesight. And I looked at her after everyone left and I said, hey, I, I, wanna, I wanna apologize that you, you can't see right now, but I wanna thank you for giving us the opportunity to experience what we just experienced here. Because what, what just happened was not normal. It was something the Spirit did in a really beautiful and profound way, in an orderly way that was just amazing. And she was like, I, like, she's like, just being a part of that was amazing. And it wasn't for the emotions. It was that we couldn't, we couldn't give it a credit anywhere else. Well, two weeks later, her vision comes back perfectly. God healed her. And you know what's funny is we don't walk around like, well, okay, guys, so when I prayed that one time, I think I did that, right? It was my prayer. No, and then we start fighting about whose prayer was in that room. No, God did it. God healed her. Another thing we have to be careful of is we have to realize that God will heal in a variety of ways. He will heal through common grace, through doctors and medicine and, and diet. It's still him healing. He's the one that still holds our bodies together. And the other thing we have to realize is if you are a child of God, it's not a matter of if God heals, it's when. Because any healing that happens, even this woman getting her sight back, it's only temporary. 
We will be fully healed in the resurrection, which we're gonna talk about in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. So healing does happen. Healing is something we should be asking for. We just don't need to walk around and say, well, I have this and I am the one that possesses this. And I'm gonna talk about that in just a second. But it's a manifestation of the spirit of God. The next one is working of miracles, very similar to healing. This is this, The word translated miracles is kind of an ordinary one for power. So it's, it's, it's the working of power of the Spirit of God. This is things that, that are completely miraculous that you can't explain. They're done in a power that makes no sense at all. It's a power that, that Jesus, you know, feeding the 5,000 or, or the walking on water or the turning water into wine. Like there's just these miracles that you're like, this, this, there's science doesn't make sense to this. Like nothing can work on this. This is just obviously miraculous. It's obviously the Spirit of God. And one of the other things I wanted to establish in miracles is one of the reasons why we see so many miracles and healings happen through the Gospels for Jesus is because it's, it's fulfilling the Messianic prophecy. Jesus was the Messiah, and as the Messiah, this is what's supposed to happen. The reason why we know that is John the Baptist gets imprisoned, and he has this moment of panic, like, did I, did I, did I put up the wrong person? Because this isn't the way I expected it to go. Like, I'm in prison. People aren't really excited about Jesus. Did I, like, did I front runner the wrong person? That's kind of what he sends his disciples to ask Jesus. You know what Jesus does? Instead of saying, no, no, you're fine. He says, hey, come here, come here. And he goes and he heals. And he does miracles. He says, tell, tell John the Baptist that the blind see and the, or the sick are healed and the lame walk. And that's fulfilling the prophecy, the messianic prophecy. You did it right. The Messiah is at work. And the next one is distinguishing between spirits. This is really just an ability to evaluate the origin, authority, and application of whether or not something is of the spirit of God or of demonic spirits, of the spirits of, of demons. There is, the scriptures teach there is no neutral spirit. You're either of God or you're of, of the demons. There's no like, I'm just kind of that happy Switzerland in the middle. Like there's none of that. Okay, they, they teach it's one or the other. And this can also apply potentially to when we talk about prophecy, the idea of of discerning if this prophecy is of God, and that's another way that this can play out. Uh, Jesus does this in Matthew 16. He rebukes Peter. He's telling him what must happen to him, and Peter, Peter goes to rebuke Jesus, which you probably should never do if you're walking with Jesus. And he rebukes Jesus, and then Jesus turns around and rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. It's like, whoa, wow, this guy, like, that's harsh. Like, we say that sarcastically. No, Jesus was discerning. He's like, hey, your heart is not fixed on the things of God. Your heart is fixed on the things of man. Jesus discerns, distinguishes between the spirits. This is not of God. What you were speaking is not of God. And just before that in Peter's life, just before, or just before this, in this verse where he calls him behind me, Satan, Peter confesses him as the son of God. And Jesus says, this was not your own doing, but revealed to you by the father who is from above. So distinguishing between spirits, it's of God or it's of the enemy. This is a beautiful, beautiful gift. We need distinguishing of spirits. We need discernment. And then prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues will hit in a few weeks. So have fun with that, guys. Okay, no, we're going to come to it. If you, if you know where the book is, chapter 14 is all of that. So we're going to spend some time in it there. I'm going to move forward because there's really a part that I really want to establish in this, but we don't, we don't have so much time. The, this section really has little to do with the gifts. I know, I know what the heading says, it's spiritual gifts, and I, I understand that, but it really has little to do with the gifts. Really, this section, the priority of this section is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here, here's, here's why we know this, okay? Remember going back to Acts 1, 4 through 5? All over Scripture, when, when God talks about promise or gift, it's always in reference to the Holy Spirit. 
So look at this. In, in Acts 1, 4 through 5, I'm going to go down to the end. Says, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right before that, what is he, he, the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father is the gift of the Holy Spirit. John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of the living water. And then he says, we get this out of John. Now this he said about the Spirit, the living water. Come to me and you'll receive the living water, whom those who believed in me, in him, were to receive, to be given this gift. For as yet, the Spirit has not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Last one real quickly, Acts 10, 44 through 45. Why Peter was still saying, he's preaching this just incredible message in front of a bunch of Gentiles. It's just incredible, right? Why he's still saying this, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised, that's just saying the, the, the Jewish believers, um, who had come with Peter were amazed because what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift is the Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Guys, this text isn't about which gift you have. It's about the gift of the Holy Spirit, whom you have when you believe in Christ. The gift is the Holy Spirit. I think really what it comes down to is many of us think that we possess the Holy Spirit, but really the difference is he possesses us. And we think we, we possess these gifts, but no, we pos he possesses us and he presents, he manifests these gifts. They're his gifts through us. It's him doing it. I could say, no matter where you are on the charismatic chain, I could say, all things are done by the Spirit of God. And everyone agrees, whether you're like, you don't believe in it or you're like crazy gifts. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's the Spirit of God. But then when we try to go into the individual outworkings, we go, well, no, no, this is mine and I'm doing this and this is what I own. It's, no, no, no. It's, it's, a possess it's possession. Is, is, we are possessed by the Holy Spirit. He is given to us. And he is the one that outworks those things. We see this in verses 7 and verses 11. Verse 7 says, to each is given. So what? To each, that's to everyone who is surrendered to Jesus as Lord, you are given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the purpose, right? Well, then in verse 11, he says it again. All of these, all of these manifestations, everything we just read, all nine of them, all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually, as I want. That's not what he says. As I think is important. No, he says, as he wills. Did you hear that? The, the language, it's, it's his will on how the manifestation comes out. It's his will whether or not someone will or will not be healed in that moment for the common good of building up the church. It's his will. This is the very promise that Jesus gave us in John 16, 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why would it be good that Jesus goes away? He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's saying, look, it's better for me to go away. Look at all the things that I was able to accomplish by the filling of the Spirit. I'm one person. Jesus was one person. Yes, he's God, but he, he limited the power incarnated in that way. But he had filled by the Spirit. Now, what could a bunch of little Christs, Christians, do in a world filled with the Spirit. We could do so much more, not in value, but in quantity. 
So when we see these spirits move, we see these things go, it's like, oh, what do we do with this? What, like, okay, great, awesome, Brent, now give me the test, and how do I find out which, which gift it is? Or, or do we, like, have a moment, and you kind of have that limit, oh, man, I got, I got tongues, I was hoping for miraculous powers, you know, like, like do, we, do we do that? No, I think, I think really what we do is, is, let me just share a little story about my family. So on Fridays, I take Fridays and Saturdays off. On Fridays, for a long time, Jen and I, the plan was to, go as hard as we possibly can to get everything that had to be done so that we could have an afternoon and evening of just relaxation with our family. And so we'd drag the kids out of bed early and like shove the food in their mouth and like, let's go and get them dressed and and jump in the car. And it's like, where's your shoe? And we're yelling at each other and everyone's getting feisty. And we have like 17 stores we need to go to because of our allergies. And so we're driving to each one of those stores. You know, we're driving on the way and one of the girls in the back is like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Like, get her cup, we ain't stopping, right? Like, it's just out of control, right? We're just rushing and rushing. And I see someone in a storm like, hey, good to see you. Can't talk now. I'm in busy. You know, we just kind of run. And I think really, Jen and I were really realizing like when we got home, no one really wanted to be together at that point. (laughs) We'd just been like just burning each other out. And like everyone was so frustrated. And so it's like, so we just kind of sat and veg and there was really no quality time. So Jen and I talked about it and like, hey, maybe we should try and slow down a little bit. Maybe we should try and do the 17 stores and, and make that quality time and not rush, and just kind of enjoy the time. And so we say, hey, okay, next Friday, we'll try that. And so next Friday, we try that. We slow way down. It's like, eat breakfast. You know, the kids come out, like, with their, like, fully dressed somehow. It's like, how did that even happen? Why couldn't you do that last week? What? Well, okay, we're not going to argue, right? And, like, and like we go, and the bathroom breaks hit the perfect time. We're, like, we're walking in the store. There's a bathroom right there. I think I need to go to the restroom. It's like, okay, go, right? Like, everything just kind of works well. And what happens is, Jen, two weeks in a row, I kid you not, this is no exaggeration, two weeks in a row, Jen and I run into two different couples. One couple we had experienced a lot of trauma and difficulty with many, many, many years ago. And another couple we just hadn't seen for a long time. And in both of those interactions, guys, they were beautiful and redemptive. We had a, a, just a wonderful conversation. Jen and I looked at it. Uh, both weeks we looked at each other. Man, I wonder if that would have happened had we not slowed down. We probably looked and like, don't have time to talk to you. This is crazy. There's too much that we have to unpack. And the other couple was really going through something very difficult that we felt like Jen and I both were able to just kind of breathe encouragement into them because we weren't in a hurry to do something else. I think that's really what we, the posture we need when we come to this text. So many of you are going, okay, what do I do with this? What do I do? What do I do? How do I make this happen? I want to see this more. And we, we start chasing these gifts. Instead, we just need to slow down and say, hang on, hang on. What if, we just, what if we just exhaled and just went, okay, it's not about what I do and I need to keep doing and doing and doing and you do do all over yourself, right? Like, it's not about that. It's about us. Yes, I said that. I'm sorry, okay? Um, and yeah, so it's more about the fact that we need to just submit to the will of the Spirit. Because if he's the one that does it, these are manifestations of him. It's his power, and he's indwelling in us, and his desire is to have these manifestations be outpoured, poured out of us onto other believers for the common good, to building up the kingdom, to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. Well, then all we need to do is be open and humble and submitted to his will. And it's not a matter of me conjuring up enough opportunities or creating the right space for him to work. No, it's just be submitted to him and be expectant of him. See, the very reason why it's dangerous for us to say, well, I have this gift, although I believe God will give you a gift. He will give you a miraculous gift, a spirit gift. We see it in the scriptures. And you may use that for the entirety of your life for the building up of the kingdom. And that's good. That's good. But the instant I start thinking that I have this gift, I'm at risk of ignoring the Spirit manifesting himself in every other way. Think about it. If I say, okay, I have the gift of, I have the gift of discernment, and someone comes up and like, man, I, I, my, my elbow's really hurting. I need to be prayed for. I'm like, oh, 
yeah, I don't have that gift. Let's go find someone that has that, you know, like, or I can say, okay, well, I don't, like, I've not really seen him manifest himself that way, but, but I know what the scriptures teach, and I know that I'm supposed to ask, and I know that I should be doing this. So let's, let's do this. Let's see this. Let's, let's watch God move. And if it happens, I'm not going to go, he gave me this gift too. I'm going to say he manifested himself, and he gets the glory of it. Slowing down. It's, it's, it's us recognizing that the Spirit is the lifeblood of our church. Because as the body of Christ on earth now, we work in unity to show who Jesus is. The same way that the Holy Spirit did this through Jesus while he walked on the earth. This is us moving. The point is to continue the ministry of Jesus. Maybe, maybe the issue is with encouragement. Everyone wants a pat, pat on the back, right? Like everyone does. We're, we're, all, we're all dealing with our own levels of insecurity, and it's just nice to be encouraged. That's why if you have the gift, if the Spirit has manifested himself through encouragement, you better be speaking up a lot because you're, you're dealing with a world where, where we are discouraged on a regular basis and beat up on a regular basis. So one of, to me, Again, all the gifts are very valuable, and we'll talk about that next week. But one of the most profound gifts when you think about the common good of the body is encouragement. Like, think about it. Have you ever just had someone, like, encourage you? Or, like, it's not like, oh, that was neat. Like, you just, like, your world was changed. An uncommon response to something seemingly common to them. We are, we are, we're supposed to do it, but we all want encouragement. Maybe we need to stop looking for encouragement, recognizing that the Spirit did a gift through us. So, like, hey, I prayed, and someone was healed, and just be encouraged by the fact that we have been sanctified enough to be submissive to his will that the Spirit can manifest himself through us. Maybe that's, that's all we need. Let me say it simpler. Maybe we just need to be thankful that the Spirit is working through us. That we've, we've set ourselves in a position, we've walked with the Lord long enough to say that I'm going to submit myself to the will of the Spirit and if he, wants to, if he wants to heal someone, I'm going to pray for healing and I'm going to give him the credit. If he wants me to have wisdom in a situation, I'm going to pray for wisdom and if he gives me that, that's him doing it. It's not something I own or I need to take possession of because it's, it's, a, it's a work of the Spirit and this text is about the Spirit. And we need to stop making this whole faith thing about ourselves. Will you submit to the Holy Spirit to be used to see uncommon things done in a common world for the common good? Will you let the Spirit work in your life? Maybe if you're in here today and you're a little bit more mature, you've followed the Lord for a while, maybe you've experienced gifts in a way, you've seen the Spirit move through you in that way, would you be, would you be emboldened to call this out in another believer? Not say, hey, I think you have the gift of, but like, hey, I just want you to know, like when you, when you served in this way, Man, it really, it really just blew me away. I had someone come up to me last week and say that they really related to my older daughter, a story I shared a few weeks ago about her being kind of type A and like everything being in its place. And she shared, she's like, man, I really, I really felt like, like I just was good at that. I know where everything is in my house. My house is always clean. Everything's in place. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really great. And she said, she said, and then we started talking last week about the gift of spirit. She's like, a, a couple months ago, I felt like the Lord had told me, hey, it's great that your house is in order, but do you think that maybe I have given you this ability to do this for a better purpose or for more? And she's like, so that's why I come and clean the bathrooms every once in a while at the church. Because I feel like, why would I use this gift just for me? I should use this for the building of the church. Guys, that's the gift of service. That's powerful. And that's the building up of the common good because you guys went to the bathrooms and they were a little bit cleaner because someone was submitted to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit work through them. It doesn't matter where it is, would you be willing to be called out on this? Maybe you're in your gospel communities, you can see this. Like, hey, I've noticed that you just, you tend to always share something that, that, that seems so wise. It seems like pure and undefiled wisdom from above. Like, I, I think you should lean into this and really share this. Have you, ever, have you ever thought of someone 
this is kind of more maybe prophecy, but either way, have you ever had that moment where you thought of someone, you're like, oh, I wonder why I'm thinking of them. I haven't seen them in a while. And then you texted them, like, hey, I, I, don't, I was just thinking about you today. What's going on? And only to find out that their life is in like shambles or in struggles and they really needed someone to walk with them. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a being open and recognizing that he's going to speak to us through scripture, through each other, through, through, through teachings, through all kinds of different ways. And we just need to be submitted and open to it. And stop, we want to kind of peg it and be like which Marvel superhero we are, right? We want to, I, want to, I want to be the Captain America or I want to be whatever it is. Like we, we try to put in that thing. And instead, I think, yes, it's great if God wants to use one gift. And in, if you think about it in the body of Christ, if you have been given the manifestation of knowledge and you are here, then he is wanting to use that here to build up his church. And if someone leaves the church, they move away, and they happen to had they had been manifesting the gift of healing, well, then he's going to give that to someone else because that's the Spirit's job is to make us operate in a way that we can display the very colored beauty of God that Ephesians talks about. The manifold wisdom of God can be displayed by us submitting to the Spirit of God. This is what it means. And so would you be emboldened? Would you be willing to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit to be used to do uncommon things, to, uh, to, to see uncommon things done in a common world for the common good? Would you let, would you let the Spirit move in this way? We're gonna, we're gonna, we have the prayer room back here in the corner. There's going to be some safe people back there. I want to encourage you if you feel like you need to get prayer. If you're like, man, I, I feel like I've used this gift in the wrong way. Like I feel like I've made this about the gift as opposed to about the gift of the Spirit. I made it about the manifestation of the Spirit. Like, then go and repent and ask the Lord, like, how can you redeem this? Like, I want to see you work in this way. I want to see you manifest yourself, not because I fear that if you aren't, that I'm, that I'm lost, but because I want to play a part in what you've commanded me to play a part in. Go get prayer. If you're back there, you're like, man, I, I, I just know, like, there's a situation. I, there is healing needed. I need prayer for healing. Go get prayer for healing. If you're like, man, I, I know that in a lot of ways, I'm just afraid of the Spirit. I'm afraid of doing this. And I, even when I start thinking about like giving myself to the, the chance of the, the, the ability of the manifestation of the Spirit for Him to do things through me, I get really nervous. Go get prayer for that. The band's going to come up and we're going to worship. We're going to give you guys a chance to pray through worship, pray in the room with some safe people or pray together. Also, you can, if you are like, man, I just don't know if I can get up. I'm not ready. In front of you is this little communication card. They're there every week. And every week, the elders pray for whatever's put on you. So if you're like, man, I really want some prayer, um, you will get prayed for every single week if you put this in the little offering buckets in the back of the room. Every week, we, we pray for these. So please fill it out there. Go to the prayer room. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you, man, you are so good and so, so powerful. And forgive me for the ways that I've limited your spirit, where I've doubted he could move, where I've made it about whether or not I have something instead of already knowing that I'm indwelt with your spirit. God, for the individuals in the room that are, uh, are trying to figure this whole thing out and this spiritual talk can be scary, God, would you do what only you can do through your spirit? In fact, salvation is a work of the spirit. So God, would you bring them to you? Would you draw them to you to a faith, a submission to you, saying, I will live my life, you as my Lord, and serve you for your purposes and your glory by your strength. And God, for the individuals that are here today that are scared of giftings, that are scared of manifestations, or maybe it's just outside of their experience, and they're, instead of asking for you to, to manifest yourself, they're afraid of that because they can't explain it. God, would you help them realize that they don't have control anyways? 
that you um, wouldn't do things out of control. The whole point of this text is to do it in an orderly fashion. And I pray for really great conversations this week. I pray for people to get texts at random because someone's thinking about them and they're praying for them. I pray for people to be emboldened and say, hey, I was reading Philippians 2 today and I don't know if that, that has anything to do with you, but here you go and watch you work because you were communicating to every single one of us at the same time. And Father, we pray. We pray we'd be a, a body of people that, that your, your manifestations are so present and so prevalent that we're not we're ever shocked. We're never like, no way, I can't believe this happened. Instead, we're like, yep, that's God. That's God. He does that over and over and over again, and he's the one that gets the glory for it. And God, for the, for the, for the people that are in here that maybe don't even know where to go next, um, maybe they just need to sit with their hands open as a posture of, God, I just want you. I don't really need to worry about how you're going to manifest yourself out through me, but I just need to be more focused on you. I need to be more, more in love with you, more enamored with you, and let you take care of the rest. Help us to slow down. Help us to pace ourselves where we can listen and hear and move and, and be an obedient and step with the Spirit. We thank you for the ability to worship you. We thank you for the ability to serve you specifically with gifts that you have, you have and are, are manifesting through us. And God, we pray that you get the glory only. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.